peace of Christ be with you. Let that be your weekly reminder to come a few minutes early so the music can usher you into a space of worship. Let's give ourselves a few deep breaths to be drawn into the presence of the Spirit. Friends, let us worship in beloved community. As you are able, please rise in body and spirit for the call to worship. Christ, you are the image of the invisible God. In you, all things are created. In you, all things hold together. In your guidance, we find our way.
You may be seated. Welcome. Welcome to worship at Westminster. It is good to be together this morning. If you're visiting with us, a welcome to you. I do invite you after worship out to our patio area for a chance to talk with each other a little more, to share some coffee and tea and snacks. If you're sitting here in the middle and you pass the pew pad during the offering time, I do invite you to take a look at the names of people sitting near you. And I invite you after worship to seek out someone you don't know and greet them. Let's join together now in our community prayer that's in the bulletin. Let us pray. God, you have given us ample teachings of how to be in the world. You have blessed us with models, some famous and others known only to each of us personally. Still your people have at times chosen to ignore your way of love, of caring, of living within our means. Many suffer because of the choices of others. Release us from self-centeredness, from the belief that what we do doesn't really matter, and from entitlement that causes harm. Restore in us teachable spirits, open hearts, and the desire to be in right relationship with all things. Our prayers continue in quiet. Amen. Friends, I invite you to let the wonderful gift of God's forgiveness flow through you always. May the abundance of God's mercy and grace set you free to serve God with love. Thanks be to God. Amen. Now, this is our birthday blessing Sunday. So if you have a birthday in July or maybe if you missed a blessing in a previous month, I invite you to come forward. They're, they're coming, they're coming. Don't worry. All right. So, happy birthday to you all. I wanted to share with you today a poem. It's by Carl Sandburg, who actually is a Pulitzer Prize winner for poetry. And this poem, in honor of your summer birthday, is called Summer Stars. Bend low again, night of summer stars. So near you are, sky of summer stars. So near along our man can pick off stars, pick off what he wants in the sky bowl. So near you are, summer stars. So near, strumming, strumming. So lazy and hum-strumming. Now, I'm not quite sure why that called to me, but I think it's probably that last line, so lazy and humstrumming. In my mind, that's how I would like summer to be. Sometimes it is, sometimes not so much. But uh, my hope, my prayer for you on your birthdays is that you might find a few of those lazy humstrumming times, perhaps simply to be out in creation, perhaps simply to do some stargazing, perhaps 
simply to just take a few deep breaths. Uh, But I do pray that you will find those moments in the coming year just to be a part of the beauty that is around us. So happy birthday to each and every one of you. And now I would like to invite any of the children worshiping with us to come join us here at the front, as well if you are participating on our high school mission trip next week, I invite you to come forward. So come on. I did. So why don't you all sit right here, and our high school trip folks, I'm going to invite you to stand up here so we can all see you. Excellent. You guys can just you guys can just sit right here. So, if you were here about a month ago, you'll remember we commissioned our middle school mission team. They were going to go do some service projects in Santa Cruz. And now we're commissioning our high school team and I've asked Jeff to tell us just a little bit about what's going to be happening next week. So, we are going to San Diego again. And for, some, for two of us standing here, it's our third trip in a row. I mean, thank you for being a steady veteran of this trip. Uh, many of our youth, we told them we're going to work them to the bone, so they're still resting. That's why they're not here. Uh, but yeah, we are going to return to the border between U.S. and Mexico. We're going to continue working with some senior citizens we've met there, with some people who are experiencing homeless there. Homelessness, we are going to continue working with some children that we've met there. And this year, we get the privilege of hanging out with a big group of rural teenagers from Minnesota that we've never met before, and some of them have never been to California, from what I hear. So (laughs) we're going to welcome them to our state and show them around, and it's going to be an amazing trip. Excellent. So when we do what we call commissioning, basically we tell all these people that as they go to San Diego and and work next week and serve next week, that they are going to go with our love and our prayers. And what we've done is we've printed the names of the participants in your bulletin. So when they leave next week at something like 6 in the morning next Sunday, I don't know if it's that early. Is it that early? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I just saw one of the parents with a shocked look on her face. that next week, next week we, may, we may be in prayer for all of them. And I want to add, Marcus, we, we didn't get your name on the list, so make sure you write in as you pray for all these people. Marcus Obata also on the list. So today we gather as neighbors to send you out to other neighbors. We celebrate that we are connected to each other across different places and pray those bonds will go stronger through this mission experience. We rejoice that you will meet new neighbors in person and work together with them to embody God's love in the San Diego community. And we commit to receive you and to be open to your new ideas and experiences when you return to this community, empowered for long-term involvement and change toward a just world for all. May the love of neighbor be made real in this sharing and experience. So to you, mission team, I ask, are you ready and willing to be open to new neighbors and new experiences as you go out to serve in Jesus' name? 
If so, please respond, I am. Will you accept God's call to serve? And while on this trip, will you serve with energy, creativity, openness, grace, and love? If so, please respond, I will. All right, and now a question for all of you and all of you. Congregation, will we support these servants of God and will we pray for them as they represent us while serving next week? If so, please respond, we will. Okay, and now I'm going to invite all of you to come on up here and find one of these fine folks and put a hand on maybe their elbow or if you can reach their shoulder, though they're kind of tall, all right? And we're going to bless them. And why don't you put, put an arm on a shoulder or elbow of each other so we can all be connected, all right? So let us pray. Guiding and loving God, empower these mission team members to be your hands and feet in San Diego. By their actions and words, make them witnesses of your great love for all your beloved children. Protect them, teach them, support them as they take this next step in their own journey to becoming the servant people you call them to be. Fill them with the Holy Spirit, enable them to do their tasks faithfully and joyfully. Bring them safely home, and then let their experience further enrich us, so that we too may follow your call to serving our community in the love of Christ. Amen. All right, and now I invite all of you to go with Grayson out to Sunday school. And all of you may be seated. Go now in peace. Go now in peace. May the love of God surround you everywhere, everywhere you may go. Uh, Jeff just reminded me, and I want to pass that on to you, that Throughout their experience, they'll be updating social media, so it's a good chance if you're on those platforms to follow Westminster and or Jeff's account if you don't already, whether that's Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. If you don't know what those are, well, we can talk. <laughs> and now is the time in our worship where we like to share with each other our joys and our concerns uh, so we can be in prayer for each other, for our community and our world. So if you have something to share, I invite you to just raise your hand and let us know. Yeah, Susan. Prayers for sister's best friend who had to have most of her fingers amputated this week. Others? Clark. Absolutely. Ruthie and Clark had a cat go missing for quite a while, right? Yeah, 16 days. days, And he has returned. So prayers of joy. Absolutely. Yeah, Scotty. Amen. Thank you, Scotty. Thank you. Elizabeth. Prayers for a friend who's going to be leaving us this 
Absolutely. So, Elizabeth, uh, a, a powerful story, which I, I certainly can't get all the details right, but her friend's 19-year-old son has been struggling with addiction. Um, she ha- didn't know where he was for a long time, was finally able to track him down, and he is now in rehab. So, prayers for that family, certainly. Yeah, Mimi. Prayers for a longtime friend who has bladder cancer. Now the cancer is in her lungs. Mm-hmm. All right. Oh, yeah, Carol. Mm-hmm. Prayers for friend Gary, who's been on a journey with cancer now in hospice care. So prayers for him as well as his wife. Taylor, yeah. Absolutely. So daughter Ava, who's been on a trip to Africa, today's their last day, and she makes the two-day journey to come home tomorrow. So prayers for her, absolutely. And he may have been wanting to be incognito, but I have to say a prayer of joy for Glenn Burke joining us today over there. Hey, Glenn. Glenn is a longtime friend and member of Westminster, now lives in Texas, but we're so glad that you get back here to visit every now and then. It's good to see you. Let's have a few moments of quiet, and then we'll join together in the Lord's Prayer. So let us pray. Gracious God, we have come together today to be a community, a community of faith striving to grow closer to you and closer to each other. You have created us to live with your love and justice and generosity in our world. Help and empower us in these tasks. And we pray today and every day in the name of your son, Jesus, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom.
First scripture this morning comes from Amos 8, 1 through 12. Listen how it speaks to you. This is what the Lord God showed me, a basket of summer fruit. He said, Amos, what do you see? And I said, a basket of fruit. Then the Lord said to me, the end has come upon my people Israel. I will never again pass them by. <clears throat> Excuse me. The songs of the temple shall become wailings in all day. That day, says the Lord God, the dead bodies shall be many cast out in every place. Be silent. Hear this, you that tremble on the needy and bring ruin to the poor of the land, saying, when will the new moon be over so that we can sell again the Sabbath so that we may offer wheat for sale? We will make the epa small and the shekel great, and the practice deceit with false balances, buying the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals, and selling the sweepings of the wheat. The Lord has sworn by the pride of Jacob, surely I will never forget any of their deeds. Shall not the land tremble on this account? And everyone mourn who lives in it, and all of us rise like the Nile, and be tossed about, sink again, like the Nile of Egypt. On that day, says the Lord God, I will make the sun go down at noon, and darken the earth in broad daylight. I will turn your feast into mourning, and all your songs into lamentations. I will bring sackcloth on all loins, and baldness on every head. I will make it like the morning for an only son, and the end of it like a bitter day. The time is surely coming, says Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread or a thirst for water, but hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea, from north to east. They shall run to and fro, seeking the word of the Lord, but they shall not find it. The second reading comes from the book of Colossians, the first chapter, verses 15 to 28. It's a bit of a mystical reading, and it's easy to lose track, uh, allow it simply to wash over you and see what remains. Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in Christ all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through Christ and for Christ. Christ, Christ's self, is before all things, and in Christ all things hold together. Christ is the head of the body, the church. Christ is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that Christ might come to have first place in everything. For in Christ all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through Christ, God was pleased to reconcile to God's self all things, whether on earth or in heaven, 
by making peace through the blood of the cross. And you who were once estranged and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, Christ has now reconciled in Christ's fleshly body through death, so as to present you holy and blameless and irreproachable before Christ, provided that you continue securely established and steadfast in the faith, without shifting from the hope promised by the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven. I, Paul, became a servant of this gospel. I am now rejoicing in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh, I am completing what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of Christ's body, that is, the church. I became its servant according to God's commission that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery that has been hidden throughout the ages and generations, but has now been revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which Christ, which is Christ in you. You, plural, of course. The hope of glory. It is Christ whom we proclaim, warning everyone, teaching everyone in all wisdom, so that we may be present, so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Friends, this is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. At family camp uh, a couple of weeks ago, one of my colleagues brought along this book, which as you can see, I've now ordered. I didn't lift it from him. It's called Every Moment Holy. It's a prayer book, and it does or aims to do precisely what the title suggests. Name every moment in life as holy and worthy of prayer. I I wrote a few... uh, noted some down of uh, my favorites to give you a sense of the scope of what's covered in every moment holy. So in addition to the obvious liturgies, morning, midday, and evening prayer, it includes prayers and liturgies for doing the laundry, for preparing a meal, for keeping bees, those eternal propagators, those essential propagators of life, Prayers for students and scholars. Prayers for medical providers. For fiction writers. For the changing of diapers one and the changing of diapers two. That refers to the number of the prayer, not the number of the kind of diaper. Well, I don't know if he thought about that when he... Though they would be different prayers, I guess. There are prayers for arriving at the ocean. My guess is we all have those. For those who sleep in tents, for sunsets and first snow, for planting flowers, for beginning a book, a lament upon finishing a beloved book, for moving into a new home, for welcoming a new pet, for birthdays. Prayers for the morning of a medical procedure, for battling a destructive desire, for nights and days of doubt, for those who feel awkward at social gatherings, for those who covet 
covet the latest technology. For bill paying, for homesickness, for those who weep without knowing why. For times when we hear birds, for times when we hear sirens, for being frustrated at a child, for waiting in line. Nearly everything is covered. And while it doesn't always use the exact language I would use, I've found it helpful. Sometimes I just adjust the words or sometimes I go with those unfamiliar words to pull me into a new space. And I wonder what it would look like if we were that prayerful throughout our whole day. Would it change the way we are? You might try it with these prayers or other prayers or your own. Here's a sampling of a prayer he offers for a a ritual that many of us share. He says this. Meet me, O Christ, in the stillness of morning. Move me, O Spirit, to quiet my heart. Mend me, O Father, he usually says, Father, from yesterday's harms. From the discords of yesterday, resurrect my peace. From the discouragements of yesterday, resurrect my hope. From the weariness of yesterday, resurrect my strength. From the doubts of yesterday, resurrect my faith. From the wounds of yesterday, resurrect my love. Let me enter this new day aware of my need and awake to your grace, O Lord. Amen. That's for morning coffee. And why shouldn't we pray before we have morning coffee, that one of the two of which might save our day? Why shouldn't we soak the totality of life in the day's duties in prayer. Those who come from our ancestral religion and our brothers and sisters in the faith to this day, the Jews maybe do this a little better. Having prayers for all uh, occasions throughout a day and a year and a life. Other wings of the Christian household have more formal prayers for such occasions and those of other faith traditions too punctuate so much of life in prayer. And I've noticed too in churches like ours, in circle like ours, the emergence of, of resources such as this. It's not the only book I've come across in recent years that tries to just name a prayer for everything. In fact, the gift that we've given our elders and maybe our deacons too, I don't know, as they've rolled off the last several years, service on the board is a book called To Bless the Space Between Us by John O'Donohue. Similarly, this Celtic writer <clears throat> offers prayers for those occasions we might not naturally fit as a time for prayer. And that says something to me, that something is emerging, this desire, this longing to weave together, to pull together, to wrap our lives in something sacred, to look for some divine thread that's going in and out of, of what can seem so scattered. And sometimes it feels scattered. Sometimes it feels like things are coming apart. I mean, at least it does to me sometimes. I don't know, perhaps to you as well. Sometimes things fall apart. And so this desire for prayer is a desire to bring it all back together. 
My guess is there have been times in your life when you've felt, maybe you're in one now, deeply at peace or in a good place, in a solid place, or kind of in the flow, whatever language system you use. My guess is if you looked at that time reflectively, you would realize that it was a time when you felt connected, sort of in touch with who you felt you were supposed to be, in touch with loved ones around you, your community, your God, your spirit, your power, whatever. And so when we feel the anxiety of things coming apart, part of what we're feeling is that force that's trying to pull us back into relationship, into a right place and a together place. I think I've said in here before, I'm sure I have actually, that the root for the word religion simply means to knit together. Now, for all the critique, religion is rightly garnered over the eons, it is a beautiful idea. And all religion really is, when you kind of boil it down, is a set of beliefs and practices and relationships that try to hold it all together, that try to help us make sense of this world and our collective fate, that help, uh, help us navigate through all of it, and help us stay connected in a way that we can all flourish and do well. It's simply meant to connect us all, to weave us all together. It's a wonderful concept, something that we're called to live out, as Paul would say. The writings for today, the readings you just heard, both actually deal with this existential tension of coming apart and being woven together. You can hear it in very different voices in each of the readings. The first you heard was from the prophet Amos, and it's this um, really uh, harsh, you might say, judgment. Actually, it's not the judgment. It's what comes after the judgment. This, this looming warning of what's going to happen, this image of the summer fruit. Why? Because there will be no more fruit. The time for harvest is over. God says, I won't come by the people anymore. I'm not going to pass them by. You won't hear the singing in the temples anymore. The sun will go down in the middle of the day. It will be dark. Bodies will pile up. Famines will set upon the land. Baldness is coming to everyone. Some of us resemble that prophecy earlier than we would like. Now, you might make the mistake that many Christians have made because we were taught to make that mistake, that this is just another sign of the Old Testament angry God, right? You've heard that before. If you have, you can forget it. If you haven't, pretend you didn't hear it in the first place. Same God. What the prophets do is not aim to scare us about an angry God ready to zap us. The, prophet, the prophets are deeply in touch with the coming apart of their people. And they speak about what will happen as a result of that by uh, poetically speaking of God's judgment upon people, but what they're really speaking about are the natural consequences of such a life. Amos is a litany of injustices. You heard just a piece of it in that reading about how the poor are treated. 
But if you read the entire book, it's just one after another of the way the community has failed itself. And what is injustice? It is simply cutting some people off from what all people need, right? It is a tearing apart or an allowing to be torn apart of the fabric of the community. And all Amos is doing is saying, if we continue to live this way, we will fall apart. And this is what that falling apart will look like in poetic terms. That's what the prophets do. In the Newer Testament, it's what the apocalyptic writer of Revelation does. It casts in sacred terms what will look like as the result of an unjust way of being. In modern terms, you could, you could take an analogy of oh, environmental catastrophes that we're starting to and will continue to experience. And you could say, was that God punishing us for polluting the planet? And or is that just what happens when you treat the planet that way? So it's just putting in religious terms what happens when you live in a way that doesn't hold all things together. In Colossians, as comforting as it feels, before you get lost in the writing of it, doesn't deny that coming apart that is a part of the human experience. What it does, however, is it reminds us that there is something that stands in all those fissures throughout life. Someone who stands there like this, that's an interesting pose, holding it all together. That's someone that we call Christ, not just Jesus who lived at a certain time, but Christ who has been throughout all times, in whom and through whom all things were created, and in whom and through whom all things hold together. Through this one, all things are reconciled to God. Even when you've had a hostile mind, a mind of separateness, this one serves to remind us of our oneness. This Christ is that which shows up all over the place, all creatures, it says, to remind us of our fundamental interwovenness. Christ leads us into that way of being. Jesus' teachings lead us into that way of being, reminding us at every turn that the whole us versus them thinking always breaks down at some point. It always comes apart. Eventually, and then we just find a new us versus them category, but it doesn't, it's not eternal because it denies the fundamental truth of existence of our oneness that we are all held in and through the one we call Christ. In preparing for today's sermon, I read. Um, uh, something called the Intergovernmental Science Policy Program, no, Platform on Biodiversity and Ecosystem Services. Now, I didn't read it all in one sitting. I took a break after I finished the title. And, <laughs> and I probably didn't understand much of it, but the simple mind I have understood what I think we all understand, and we all already knew, and so you don't have to read it. And it basically just says human life can only flourish if diverse life forms flourish. This is not new. Colossians knew it. 
that things must be held together. We must recognize they're held together. More in our lane, uh, Thomas Berry, Catholic priest, cultural historian, eco-theologian, talks about, there's a quote from him on your bulletin cover, that humanity has to figure out a way of being that transcends these artificial limitations, whether they're limitations of nationality or they're even limitations of species, if they are to make it. And really, it's about recognizing that old truth that was already present in our sacred scriptures. Well, today, as you already experienced, we got to do something joyful in the life of the church, commission young people to go on a mission trip. What a wonderful gift you give them by supporting um, their ministry here. And we used to uh, think of mission trips as going out to bring God to other people or going out to fix broken things for other people. I mean, I don't know if Westminster ever thought of it that way, but that's the way kind of the church used to think of it. And to be sure, we would hope that we're ambassadors for Christ and Jesus's way of love wherever we go, unapologetically. And we would hope that wherever we go, we might help. We might do something for someone, of course. But we now recognize as we awaken a little bit more that our first task is not to do, but it is to see. It is to see the traces of the threads of God weaving already at work in the community and in the world, to behold them and to be in awe of them and to be reverent before them, and then to notice the places where the fabric is fraying and coming apart and start to ask, why is that happening and what can I do to be part of repairing it? And then humbly to join in to seek to tighten the bonds in community. That is not simply their calling. That is not simply their mission. That's our mission. Remember, Colossians says that is the job of Christ's body, which is the church, which is you. So with that, we have a blessing to offer not just those of you who will be going on the trip next week, but all of us, we who seek humbly to be that body of Christ. And it's appropriately named, not a prayer for those who are going to go do a mission trip. It's called a liturgy for the labors of community because that's our calling to build the beloved community. So let us pray again from the book, Every Moment Holy. Our lives are so small, O Lord, our vision so limited, our courage so frail, our hours so fleeting. Therefore, give us grace and guidance for the journey ahead. We are gathered here because we believe that we are called into a work we cannot yet know the fullness of. Still, we trust the voice of the one who has called us. And so we offer to you, O God, these things. Our dreams, our plans, our vision. Shape them as you will our moments, and our gifts. May they be invested toward bright, eternal ends. Richly bless the work before us, O Creator. Shepherd us well, lest we grow enamored of our own accomplishment or entrenched in old habit. Instead, let us listen for your voice, our hearts ever open to the quiet beckonings of your spirit in this endeavor. Let us, in true humility and poverty of spirit, remain ever ready to move at the impulse of your love in paths of your design. 
You alone, O God, by your gracious and life-giving spirit have power to knit, notice the verb, to knit our imperfect hearts, our weaknesses, our strengths, our stories, and our gifts one to another. Unite your people and multiply our meager offerings, O Lord, that all might resound to your glory. May our acts of service in creation, frail and wanting as they are, be met and multiplied by the mysterious workings of your spirit, who weaves all things together toward a redemption more good and glorious than we yet have eyes to see or courage to hope for. May our love and our labors now echo your love and your labors, O Lord. Let all that we do here in these our brief lives, in this our brief moment to love, in this the work you have ordained for this community, flower in winsome and beautiful foretaste of greater glories yet to come. O Spirit of God, now shape our hearts. O Spirit of God, now guide our hands. O Spirit of God, now build your kingdom among us. Amen. And amen.
Amen. You may be seated. Encourage you to take a look at the bulletin, not only about events coming up, but there are a few updates in there as well. So take a look at that. Um, if you haven't heard yet, we have a hiking group that hikes the second and fourth Fridays of every month in the morning. So the next hike is actually coming up this Friday. If you're interested in joining in on that on Friday morning, there are a couple of contact emails in there for you to get all the details. And now I'd like to invite you, as you are comfortable, to stand for our closing hymn. It's number 383.
now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God who is Father and Mother of us all, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be with us this day, be with us every day. Amen.